Thought Bubble Audio. Look, up in the sky! You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. Welcome to Beer with Geeks with Tim and Frank. Who are you? I'm Batman. I am Iron Man. Your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Hi, Christopher. I'm Nero. My name is Inigo Montoya. You're a wizard, Harry. A couple of guys with a couple of beers and a whole lot of pop culture nostalgia. Make it so, number one. Ladies and gentlemen, the Beatles. Name the dog in the ant. Life finds a way. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Now sit back and crack open a cold one. Because it's time for Beer with Geeks. It comes in paints? Shaken, not stirred. Great Scott! I was way off. I knew it started with an S, though. Hi, and welcome to Beer with Geeks, where two geeks geek out with beer. I'm Tim, and with me, as always, is my man who prefers to look at a TV over reading a book. It's Frank. How are you today? I am, I'm taking a break from the television to make time for you, my friend. Woo, that's so nice. Yeah. Although, you still have to look at a screen to do it. Yes, you know. that's true, but that's more of a pandemic thing. You know, that's that's just no. I I just changed my head out for this new flat oh, screen TV. Oh, I thought you looked different. So it is the yeah, haircut. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, now the wig just sits on top uh-huh. of the flat screen. Sure. So I got a flat. So I got a flat top cut, obviously, mm-hmm. to right. you know to yep. keep you know to keep everything symmetrical. Sure. Sure. You know, yeah. I just ask you to bring me pictures of Spider-Man from time to time. Sure. So it's going to be yeah. one of those episodes, huh? <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, cool. Just good to know up front, you know, just to know, just to know what I'm dealing with. <laughs> it's one of those weeks, what? kids. Uh, do you have like a little tally down there where you're like, Tim off his rocker? <laughs> <laughs> like, drink faster. Drink like, <laughs> Make him drink faster. Yeah. Catch up with him. Oh. Uh, what are you drinking, though? Um, I'm drinking a Lefe. Oh, um, Blondale. Yeah, Blondale. Good old Belgian Blondale. Twelve forty. This beer is not from twelve forty, but the recipe sure is. Um, and it's good. Um, I've had it a, every couple of weeks or so. Um, here on this show, but um, I'm, I'm looking to broaden my horizons at the store mm. soon, Frank. So get ready for a new wave of beer that you'll be sick of hearing about in a couple of weeks. I'm excited for that. I'm excited to be sick of those. Um, I am drinking one that's, <laughs> that's also kind of new to me. Um, this is a Nikita Russian Imperial Stout. Oh, it's an assassin. It, it yes, it is. Uh, it is or 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 Khrushchev. You know, depending or on Khrushchev. Which, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Um, but yeah, it is. It is a oh, actually it is named for Khrushchev. So there you go. Um, but it's from Rising Tide Brewing. Rising Tide, oh sure, is uh, out of out of Portland, Maine. Uh, significant to to me because we went there after it was like an after party for my wedding, which was a lot of fun. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was just there this past weekend and picked up a, a four pack of this one because I, I tried it there and and really liked it. So yeah, Nikita Rye Russian Imperial Stout from Rising Tide Brewing in Portland, Maine. Oh, I like that the the um. Not the bottle. The can is very cool. Very cool. Yeah. It's named. Okay. So apparently, originally they named it Sputnik Two, uh, and then they renamed it Nikita for Nikita Khrushchev, who was the premier of the Soviet Union when sure. Sputnik happened. Gotcha. Okay. 
I like Nikita more. Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. Yeah, Sputnik, uh, Sputnik to yeah, it's fine. It's a no Nikita. That's a cool name. Renaming it was the right call. I think. I think it also brought about a conversation. You know, which you know, which Sputnik two really wouldn't right. right. Sputnik two, you'd be like, yeah, this. So it's named after this is the second Sputnik. Are you going to send it into space? Yeah, right. Like that's kind of where the conversation ends. But Nikita. Yeah, you're like, oh, is it like La Femme Nikita? Is it Nikita Khrushchev? Is it, oh, okay, it's Nikita Khrushchev. Oh, it's comes to Sputnik. Ah. Yeah, I went with La Femme Nikita. Mm-hmm. That, was my fir- that was my first thought. So, again, there you go. Establishing conversation. Yeah, there we go. So, yeah. what, you know, what if, I, I feel like it's been, it's been a while since we've caught up on, like, things that we're, we're watching, things that we're reading. I've actually done a bit of reading lately. You joked at the beginning that I like to watch things more than I like to read, but uh, which is true. But um, I've I've kind of been been in the mood to read lately, and so I've been doing a ton of reading. And I actually, this was I was really lucky. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I was I was able to um, just take a take a weekend to myself and just sort of like grab a couple books, do grab my my work computer and go out uh, at uh, on my own, hang out by a lake. Um, completely like pretty much completely alone i saw only a couple other human faces for for a couple days and i just i did some work on a weekend to catch up and and spent the evenings reading by a fire and and it was it was great it was great it was just what i needed and i i got to catch up on some some i've been i've been into like the classics lately like some some um you know stuff going 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 way back and trying to read more like philosophy and and things like that to to make my brain bigger so I've been mm. I've been trying to make time to do that where I can and and in in big ways and little ways. I read a couple books on that on that little weekend outing, um, and then been trying to be like, you know, what, let me just like always have a book that I'm reading like on my lunch break or whatever. And I've been I've been pretty good about that. Oh, that's cool. I like that. That's very uh, one. I'm supremely jealous of your weekend to yourself. Like Th- that is not a, a thing I get to do very often. To be clear, that's not a thing <laughs> most people get to do right. very often. Right. That's not a thing if, I if ever. All. Right, I've never gotten to do that. That's not a thing that will ever happen in my life. So good for you. Uh, I don't know if I'll ever get to do that again. So I'm glad I got to do it at least the once. Yeah. and and uh, yeah, it was it was a work it was a work thing. I mean, it really was like a, like a little work retreat for myself. But but um, I worked during the day and then got to. Do some reading at night. I was trying to limit my my screen time actually during mm-hmm. that weekend, and like not looking at my phone a bunch, not having podcasts playing in the background or music playing. Like just being very intentional about like if I'm going to turn on a screen, it's for a reason. But I'm not just going to have ambient noise or ambient you know stuff going on in the background. Good um, for which you. Was great to be able to experience the silence up at the lake. Yeah, it was really nice. That's but, cool. Yeah, yeah. So, what did you read on your uh, expedition? So, I read. So, like I said, this is going to sound so pretentious because it's 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 the classics. Um, but it's stuff that I I had never gotten a chance to read and always wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, starting with Dante's Inferno. Never read Dante's Inferno. Um, I wrote. You know, many people haven't. A little known fact. I, uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Well, I mean, I felt so. I wrote a paper about Dante in like senior year of high school. Uh, but it was about it was like a biographical paper it wasn't sure. on his works did you talk about his theory of vernacular rhetoric in your I'm paper at all sure i did i don't remember but i'm you sure want to talk did. about print you want to talk pretension <laughs> let's talk about that sure, sure. so anyways let's talk vernacular Dante, rhetoric yeah why not dante's theory of vernacular rhetoric was the way that we said th- he think like this is the good way to analyze stories you you know where you're looking at 
you know it, the the allegorical meaning the, the the plot the religious meaning the title the ending does it mean anything the author's life we kind of still mo- without anybody knowing it like we pretty much still use a good chunk of it yeah. today i was going to say yeah. that sounds like supergirl tv talk that's basically <laughs> yeah it's basically yeah. how we still analyze yeah. stories today that's yeah that's cool that's cool yeah, it was it was a really enlightening read. Now I want to read the rest of the Divine Comedy. So the the purgatory. Oh, so you made it through. You made it through I the Inferno. It. I finished the Inferno. Yeah. I oh, Inferno. good. What was your favorite circle of hell? Weird question. Um, I <laughs> I, uh, I rather liked. I think it was the. I'm now they blend together in my mind because I read it all at once. But yeah, I think right. It was like the okay. seventh ish. Um, where you had like some some like monks and popes and stuff who were who were mm-hmm. like clapping back at each other. Yep. Um, I thought that was kind of kind of funny. That you he... said clapping back at each other, and the first thing that popped into my head was a bunch of monks and popes with erasers, like clapping them together, <laughs> like clapping, sure. clapping the yeah dust. after school, you know, yeah at the university, yeah, uh, yeah, the, yeah, exactly, clapping, clapping back at one, or, yeah, of course. Um, interesting, uh, interesting, Dante. I've um, so did you find it accessible? Um. Not really. Not not. Yeah. I mean, that's why I feel like this is kind of pretentious conversation. But I'm I'm going with it anyway. I I think it's it's not it's not as accessible um, as something like you know uh, I don't know uh, Orwell or something is that's more more current, uh, more uh, you know 20th century. It's 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 harder to read. Um, mm-hmm. But th- that said, there are lots of translations. The one that I picked was I picked it because it was written in Italian and. You can get a translation. So you read it in the classic. uh, You obviously read it in the Italian. In the original Klingon. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I I picked one that um, that went for keeping it still in like a poetic verse, uh, with rhyming where possible and and uh, and that kind of thing. Um, But there are other Mm -hmm. translations where it's like here's more of a literal translation that's just in every you know plain English, easy to read. Um, and doesn't bother with like still trying to make it sound lyrical and poetic. It's just mm-hmm. here are the words so you can understand them. I went with one that was more of like, well, we're translating it, but it's still going to be sort of a lyrical verse to it so that it feel, still feels like a poem. Um, and I liked that. For me, I, I liked that. I actually, after I finished reading it, I then listened to an, an audio on uh, Audible. There was like a course that like breaks it down. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, like listen to it and then and then or I'm sorry I read it and then I listened to this course that that I broke it down afterwards to help sort of help me break down the pieces and I was like oh man I feel silly that I need someone to explain this book to me and then I was like that's what school is that's that's what that is you, what school is what school that is, is correct so I'm mm-hmm. not embarrassed of that because that's just that's just school that's just that's taking, correct that's just taking a class basically is what I did so that's correct yeah 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 I mean if you read Clifford the Big Red Dog and you need to take a class on it I would be worried for you sure but, you know sure. One of the more complicated pieces of literature in the world. Yeah, I think that's having okay someone break it down have. was was helpful. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, you know, you know, context, you know, history. Yep, these things, yep. these things matter. Who? who yeah, right. Because like he names, he throws out so many names of people who he meets in the various circles of hell, and it's mm-hmm. like, who were they? Some of them, it's like, okay, Virgil's a famous name. I can Google that one. But then when it's yep. just like. Some random Italian man who, mm-hmm. whose the name doesn't ring a bell. It's like, oh, what we need to know is that Dante was from Florence, and this was somebody who was famous in Florence at that time. It's like, oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. Was he a random Italian man or a rambling Italian man? <sighs> that would be me. That would be you. So what's, I gotcha. that's that's something that I that I started with. But what about you? What have you been reading or watching? Or 
Uh, Frank, I've been reading some Star Wars books mm. to go in the non-pretentious side of things. I could go pretentious if you want me to, but um, no, it's okay. But That's I'll, get there. I'll get there. I'll get there. Have I talked? I can't remember if I've actually talked about them on the podcast before. The High Republic Star Wars so stuff. I heard you talk about them on Read Up, and I don't remember if if much has come up on on this show. To be honest. Um, oh, okay. Um, so I've been so the High Republic is the the Star Wars initiative that's. It's comics, it's it's books, it's going to be TV shows. That's what the the Acolyte show is coming our way and all that stuff. That's all 200 years before the Phantom Menace when like the the like the galaxy is like like doing its thing. It's fine. The Senate is grooving. It's in a good place and space pirates are attacking everybody and it was and it's been a ball. Um, I've really been enjoying it. They they have really been they've really been thinking about um, how to f- tell an effective story with a bunch of new characters. Um, and the, and they've been and it's been working. Like I mean, Yoda's there. Um, like he pop, crops up from here to there, depending on the story that you're reading. But um, he's probably the only one that anybody would recognize. Um, but there was Light of the Jedi, which was the adult novel, uh, which was. Which was good. Um, it was a little slow. It was a little slow at times. It was definitely like a, we have to really set up what is happening in Star Wars, so like everything else makes sense. Sure, kind of. It has that kind of going for it. But I also, but I also read Into the Dark by Claudia Gray, which is the young adult novel. Oh yeah, yeah. And that one I supremely uh, recommend because the the main character is just like. It's almost typical young adult, but in a Star Wars setting. So it's like the main character is a Padawan, but he was like, I rather kind of just want to stay on Coruscant and work in the library because I like books. But my but my master is making me go out to basically what is the Wild West of space, the outer territories. Um, And like I have to go do that instead. And so it's almost like the nerdy padawan like learning Hmm. that he can also be a jedi like a real like you know on the front lines jedi and it was it was really entered it was really entertaining um plus they there's a um like the they had to charter a ship to get there i won't go into the details but the captain is basically 90s matthew mcconaughey um right so like so imagine imagine harris imagine han solo played by Matthew McConaughey. Um huh. and you you've kind of got your like, hey, the princess, all right, all right, all right. Yeah. You know, like that's interesting. It's a it was a cool it's a good it was a good character, but they've got he's got this his shipmate is a character called Geode, which is just a rock that huh. doesn't talk or walk. Oh, but if you know but if you know how to read him like you can read like they'll be like oh no geo likes it and it will be like geo <laughs> so it's kind of like, <laughs> like how, how they know how to talk to r2 or chewy kind, or whatever kind of except that the rock makes zero sounds nothing. and he's like yeah he likes it yeah <laughs> so, like, it was hilarious. it was real fun it was so fun like it was such a like i was like this could go this could be really dumb or it could be great and it was and it was great so um and then there's the comic uh, there's a six issue comic that marvel's pumping out right now that's also going and they all kind of tie around the same story so you don't have to read all of them to know what's happening but you do get a big you big you do get a big scope of the story nice. so um so yeah so 
Uh, I've been doing some stuff. So I've been doing some Star Wars. This is a while ago, actually, that I, I read these, but um, I can get more current with the times. Cool. Frank, what else? What else have you been up to? I just want to make sure I caught all of those. So, Light of the Jedi and Into the Dark are the, are the two uh, the novels yes. you mentioned. Yes, and then the, um, the High Republic comics. Yes, and there's a. I mean, there's like a middle school book and like sure. little, like little little kid books. But you know, I figure that if 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 you're old enough to be listening to a show called Beer with Geeks, you probably don't want to read the middle school book. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Yeah. But I'm putting links to all of these in the show notes for folks who are interested. And from there, you can get links to anything else if you want to, you know, read the. Yeah. The, the middle school book, book is called a test of. Yeah. The middle school book is called a test of courage. If you want to, um, right, is by Justina Ireland. And so in the writers, it's a, it's like they, they're all mixing and matching. So like they all work together. But the guy who writes the comic is also like also wrote the second adult Star Wars book, and the guy who wrote that one is also writing a young adult book. And so you're getting a mix of all of these, all of these writers together, like which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. That's a that's a cool way to do it. Um, I'm gonna go with something unpretentious this time. Um, and, and this one is something I think you would you would enjoy. And actually, I watched this off a recommendation from our mutual friend Dan. Um, the last blockbuster on Netflix. I haven't watched that yet. It's yeah. You're gonna like it. It's it's fun. Um, it's a lot of fun. So yeah, it's on Netflix. It's called The Last Blockbuster, and it it is it follows the story of the of of blockbuster video over the last few years. And it sort of ends honing in on this famous, uh, last existing blockbuster in Bend, Oregon. That is the last ones there. But, um, it seems like they started making this documentary before it was down to just one. So they were following around the owners, uh, managers of a couple of the, of blockbusters. And I think they were going to tell, I think they were setting out to tell the story of blockbuster as a company, mm-hmm. like to sort of start to finish. And they do a little bit. They cover the the, the start of it, and do they know, cover the bit about Netflix how Blockbuster was going to buy Netflix, and they were like, "Nah." They that was brought up, yes. Yep. So they talk about all all of that stuff, and then but then it quickly um, because they happened to be, and actually the filmmakers are from Bend, Oregon, so they were very invested in the story of of this this very last Blockbuster, mm-hmm. and so the story sort of pivots uh, and and focuses on them finding out that the last ones left them, you know, trying to figure out if they can stay in business, which I won't spoil uh, mm-hmm. what, what happens there, but it's, it's a lot, it's a really good watch. And he, well, well it, I worked there, so I could probably, I could actually probably tell you if the, because the way that the company was set up, yeah. but I won't spoil it. I don't want to spoil it. I, I think you would, that's why I think you'd find it interesting because of your connection mm-hmm. to it. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I liked it a lot. They, there's a lot of, it's a big love letter to blockbuster, in particular, and and video stores in general, as a as a place to mix and mingle and be, and as a, a thing that we miss in our lives today, and the the filmmakers clearly have a you know point of view on on missing that nostalgia, and they pull in like all sorts of um, comedians and and famous people. I mean, you, you got Kevin Smith there talking about how much he fell in love with movies at Blockbuster and. Um, um, uh, Kumail Nanjiani's not in it, but he's but but other comedian friends of his are mentioned and are mm-hmm. in, Doug Benson is in it and mentions Kumail and and uh and actually there's a funny moment where he he texts something to Kumail. I, I I'll tell you this. This is not a spoiler, but Doug Benson was was part of this part of this uh production and they brought mm-hmm. him to the last blockbuster, and when he got to the last blockbuster. He took a picture and saw that I guess this was this was right after Kumail and Emily's The Big Sick 
had come yep. out on DVD. And uh, he w- Doug was tickled because he's friends with Kumail and Emily. Uh, it was tickled that that there was a big you know end cap display for the big sick and so he he texted a picture of it to Kumail and was like dude you're at the last like you're all your face is all over the place in in the last blockbuster on earth and Kumail was like you know like oh my god I can't believe it like that's so cool like (laughs) what a cool claim to fame because like you know how much Kumail loves loves movies right and like of course so so yeah I I love that that's a fun that's a fun representation of like just how um, it reminded me a lot of like the um, there was a Tower Records documentary a couple of years ago, and this this yes reminded me very much of the same kind of like oh yeah it's a it's a there's a love letter to this thing that this moment that that defined a couple generations and is no longer really a thing and mm-hmm. and uh, it, it 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 was a really fun telling of that story through the eyes of the people who work at this this final last. Yeah. Last blockbuster. Just, just waiting on my Borders book documentary, and I'll mm-hmm. complete the trifecta. Honestly, know? that's probably not too far behind. Yeah, really. Yeah. But that's I know. It's, it, that's a good one. That's a. It's just a movie. It's a two hour, less than two hours. You can watch it in a night. Um. So yeah, that's that's a recommendation for me. That's good. Um, I want to hop back to books for a second because um, I haven't talked about these on read up, but I read Madeline Miller's The Song of Achilles and Circe. Ooh. Which is her retelling of some some Greek myths. So the first one is her retelling of the Iliad through Patroclus's point of view, which is you know, which is um, depending on your translation, it's like either like Achilles's cousin, it's his friend, it's his lover, it's like a lot of different things, and so it's basic, but it's basically their buildings, Roman stories, their coming of age story, but it's the Iliad through um through Patroclus, right? And so instead of the the great hero and the narrative, it's just like this guy that's like, okay, there he goes, the best that there ever was, going huh. off to war and blah blah blah. And it was it was really interesting. I, I, I liked it quite a bit. Um and I, I also read Circe, which is um the retelling of the myth of well kind of the odyssey so i i group them together because like because um the song of achilles is the iliad and circe is kind of the odyssey in that it's circe is um a nymph that lives on an island that odysseus goes to on his like journey back to ithaca in in the odyssey um and so but that's all that's only a part of the story it's like i wouldn't say that it's the whole thing but if you wanted to read them together you're really getting a whole picture because obviously odysseus is also in the iliad um and so because odysseus um because or in um, song of achilles because odysseus fought in the trojan war um so i they were terrific, though. Like, I thought they were, like, they, you know, awards this, bestsellers this, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, sometimes I'm like, yeah, all right, it's on the bestseller list. Yeah, but what isn't on the bestseller right, list? Yeah. Show me that. Sometimes, uh, like, it's like, oh, yeah, number one movie in the world. Okay, yeah, that's fine. What else right. is there? What else is um, there? Give me, yeah, give me something and, indie. Right, kind of. Some Sometimes it's like that. And so, but I was like, but I, I've had them for a while, so I was like, I'm just going to. I'm gonna buckle down. I'm gonna read, and I I read a, a song of Achilles thoroughly, and I devoured Cersei. Nice. It was it was so good. It was like you know, whereas kind of like the song of Achilles is this coming of age story. So is Cersei definitely, but where you've got like you've got I, I don't want to spoil too much, but sure. you know, the song of Achilles is basically you know it's the story of a gay kid you know being accepted mm. by like the greatest hero, like the greatest warrior on the planet. 
and their connection. And then you have Cersei, who is it's kind of the story of like femininity, femininity, toxic masculinity, um, you know, fifth wave, you know, fourth or fifth wave feminism. And but it's all through but it's all through Cersei and who she is as a person. And it was really, really well done. That is such an interesting like we've we've seen the sort of thing where you take a, a well-known story and tell it from a different character's perspective, like make make a different side character, the POV character. Sure, like Wicked but, is a great example of Wicked, that, right? It's right, the Wizard of Oz from sure. the Wicked Witch's story, yeah, perspective. But, but I love that sounds like a really interesting take and in, and in sprinkling in some other aspects of it that 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 make it more pertinent to a modern audience, maybe. Right. What works is because it's not just retelling the story; right. it's it's it just, it's about something. So there's always the plot, and then there's the narrative. And mm-hmm. So the plot is mm-hmm. just what happens in the story, and the narrative is what is the story about? What is it trying to teach you? What is it? What does it want to say about the world? in the context that it was written in blah 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 and all this stuff and it says a lot and it is good because it's it is comparing you're looking at ancient practices the way men treat women the way that men treat men whatever else and you you can't help but compare that to your modern experience and how close it is and how far removed it is and the author was a um uh the author is a um uh, English teacher, I a high school English teacher, if I'm not mistaken, or she's a mythology, uh, she's a classics teacher, and so, like, and so, not that like you need to be, but it's just not some like schlub off the road, but I'm like, ah, I'll re- I've heard of the Iliad, sure, you know, like this is somebody whose like degree is in this thing, and her job is to tell stories, and like she really or or to teach stories, and so she she really combined them together really effectively, and so I absolutely read those that's awesome i see that's i really like that i love that she is i love that she brings that experience of being a teacher being a high school teacher and and probably spent many years formulating these ideas before she finally wrote them down um i i i love that that's such a cool Mm -hmm. that is such a cool uh perspective for her to have to then write these books this is i'm gonna step over you just for a second because it kind of ties in the um, wave of like mythological stuff that I was reading, I also read Michael Crichton's Eaters of the Dead. Do you remember mm. this book? Do you have you ever heard of this book? I don't know. I don't know of it. No. Well, you know Michael Crichton. Of I would assume. I know Crichton, yes. Yeah. You know Jurassic yeah, Park. Jurassic Park. Andromeda yeah, Strain. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All that stuff. So um, timeline. So he wrote this book called Eaters of the Dead, which was a movie about. Um, uh, no, sorry. It was a book that became a movie with Antonio Banderas called The 13th Warrior. Oh, okay. um, um, but um, But I never read the book because I remember I saw The 13th Warrior and I was like, okay, it's Vikings and something. And that's all I remember. And so I was like, I'll try the book. It's short. Um, and I like Michael Crichton. And again, it's not just like it's about. Um, it's about, I can't remember his name now. Um, so forgive me. But it's about a, a real life. Um, it's a real life Middle Eastern, uh, explorer, um, you know, traveler. And he meets up with, he meets up with the Norseman. Hmm. Um, and like, it's his journal as he's going through the thing, but that actually happened. That is like a real journal where this guy like wrote all this stuff down and blah, blah, blah. And, um, and so it's one of the first actual accounts of the, um, uh, Abin Fadlan, uh, Fadlan, that's his name. Sorry, I had to look it up. Um, 
and so he's a he's a courtier and he's like he spends all this time with the Vikings and he this is what they're like, blah, blah, blah. And it's written as almost like a historical document where, where like Michael Creighton will like annotate in it. Like he'll be oh. like or he as the author will annotate stuff like, oh, he means this and this is a thing in this history book. This is this, this, this. But the cool part is that it's actually just Beowulf. Oh, oh my gosh. So it's like this guy meets up with these Vikings and he meets this he meets all these warriors and blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, like it starts to creep in where you meet like the Beowulf, this and that. And you go through all the, and all of a sudden you're you're talking like they're like oh this is rothgar and like and they're like oh his hall's too big that's why the monsters are coming for him because because he's, <laughs> he's just about the gods and like all this but it's like if beowulf actually happened story so it's not like the giant monster isn't real and so like the serpents in the water maybe they're whales maybe they're not like there's and it, it's it was so cool because i love beowulf so you do and and just like this outsider third party objective perspective of beowulf um very much like the song of Achilles in some ways, though I would not call actually it's not objective at all. That's very subjective. But um the author or the narrator. But uh yes. Um I thought it was just terrific. And so um I would lump all of those three together. Nice. That makes sense. Yeah, I can see how those things connect. Um, that sounds super interesting. I, I, that's so, and it's for adults, right? It's not like it's a, oh, it's it's definitely for adults. Yeah. It's definitely for adults. Yeah. You have, I feel like there are plenty of examples of it's like, oh yeah, the Lion King is Hamlet. Like, right. You know, you you have that. Yeah. It has, it is the broad strokes. Yeah. Right. Um, but I don't know how often that they do that where it's like, it's the same story, but it's for adults, not for kids. It's not a retelling for kids where we change the names out. Like it's. I, at least they're not examples that I have consumed a lot of where it's like, no, this is just straight up this piece of classic literature, but we made it, you know, we changed the, it's, it's Romeo and Juliet, but with, with modern names. And, and it's so, Nobio you know, like, and Juliet. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Something. Yeah. Right. I mean that I'm, we see that. I mean, Titanic is just Romeo and Juliet. Like that's yeah, probably yeah, uh, like, that's, that's probably that's like, that's probably like the Lion King as close as you can get. Yeah, right. That's right. like a similar example, but, but this is more like, Remember that King Arthur movie from the early 2000s, like the Disney one with Clive Owen and Keira Knightley? It's kind of like that. It's like if like, although that one was like, if King Arthur was real, it wouldn't be like that. Yeah, yeah, right, right. You know, but um, it would be more like we're pretending that it's history. I was trying to think of something like something else that's like it, and I, I, I couldn't place it when I finished the book, and I'm sure there is something else rather like it, but it started as a... um, I guess a, a um, like a bet. Like someone was mm-hmm. like, "I bet you couldn't do this," and he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I'll show yeah. you." <laughs> so, but yes, definitely check out "Song of Achilles," um, Cersei and Aegis for the Dead. Solid. Give me one more thing that you read, Frank. I'll give you one more. Um, getting back into the pretentious, uh, uh, pretentious area. Uh, actually, no, no. You know what? We'll close something not that pretentious. Um, I've been reading. Uh, I haven't finished this yet, but I have been reading a book. Uh, about Mother Teresa, uh, somebody who I think really? we could all we could all be a little bit more like. Uh, it's called Something Beautiful for God. This was written while she was still alive, so it's not like a biography of her whole life. It, it touches on in the broad strokes of she was from Albania. She felt a calling to become a sister. She went to India. Like they, they cover on the broad strokes, but it's a really to me really interesting perspective. Uh, it's written by a guy called Malcolm Muggridge who was a British, like, TV commentator. He did lots of... Um, he was sort of like a... 
um oh gosh uh i can't believe i'm blanking on his name right now adam david Attenborough. he was sort of that kind oh, of sure. figure mm-hmm. older british guy who did lots of tv things you know adam Barry now does all the planet earth type of stuff um, but uh, Malcolm Muggeridge was a skeptic and was not a very spiritual person. And over the course of his life, gradually met people like Mother Teresa through interviewing them for the BBC. And he gradually became religious. And by, by the, actually by the time he died, he was he was quite a devout um, uh, believer in Christianity. But but sort of like a like a um, like a Tolkien type of a a, a guy or a mm-hmm. C.S. Lewis type of a guy where it's especially C.S. Lewis maybe where it sort of started out more skeptical and then became religious over the course of his life. Yeah, that's definitely not Tolkien. No, yeah, not Tolkien. No, that's more C.S. Lewis. And I love that he wrote this book when he was sort of still on the edge of whether or not he believed in God and things like that. And he was moved so much by Mother Teresa. So me as and I'm coming at it, obviously, with my perspective of I do believe in God. Um, and, and, uh, and I admire Mother Teresa very much, but it was interesting to read about someone who was skeptical of her, meeting her, talking about his interview, his, his experience interviewing her for the BBC and everything that came after that and all the, the great reception that that interview got and, and, um, how people, I guess this wasn't a very common thing for there to be like reruns of things like a documentary or an interview or something like that. But people liked it so much that they begged the BBC to air it again. Um, and, and the way that he watched her touch people around her in the few days that he was filming with her, um, it's a short book. It's, it's less than 200 pages, maybe 150 pages. Um, and I've, I just started a few days ago and I'm like maybe halfway through it. I've been reading it, like I said, on my lunch hours and that kind of thing, but it's a really good read and it's a really, uh, thought provoking as somebody, whether you're Christian or not, we can all agree Mother Teresa was a pretty good person who did some, uh, changed a lot of lives and, and. Uh, inspired a lot of people to do some pretty great things. And it's really cool to see someone who was skeptical of her and was sort of looking for, like, what's the catch with this lady? Um, his his gradual just sort of like, I think she might be the real deal. I think she might actually believe what she's saying. Actually kind of reminds me of the Mr. Rogers movie. So, <gasps> yes. Like, you know, because yes. that guy is the same. I can't remember his name, but the guy writing the article was kind of like, what's the like, what's the deal with this guy? And by the end, he was like, he's actually just a nice person. Yes. Sorry. It, it, it's it's kind of like that. It is a lot like that. Yeah, the, the Tom Hanks, uh, Mr. Rogers movie. Um, yes, that is a very good comparison. It's a very similar um, story. And it's, so far, I'm, I'm, I'm still working through it about halfway through it, but I really, really am enjoying it. So that's less pretentious. And that's somebody that we all... I think most people listening to this probably remember when Mother Teresa was alive. I'm sure some of our younger listeners maybe that she's she's a she came to my hometown. Did she really? That's yeah, cool. When I was alive, that's cool. Did yeah. You, did you mm-hmm. see her from a distance or anything like that? I don't remember how old I was, so no. All right, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. But um, yeah, very cool. So something beautiful for God is the name of that mo- of that book, and uh, yeah, it is a. Uh, and in fact, he opens the book being like Mother Teresa told me very, very specifically not to write a biography of her that was like praising her and saying how great she was. So this is not going to be that. Like he up front was like, she, she forbid me to do that. So this is not what, that's not the, what, kind, what kind of book this is. Um, Give him the dirt. Yeah. That's she was sort yeah. of like, I'm not, you know, she was still alive and she was like, I'm no saint. And it's like, actually, well now, now you're considered one. But, um, but she was sort of like, you know, just, just write about what I do. Don't, don't put a lot of fluff around it and say how great I am. Cause I don't, I, that's, that's, I'm not authorizing you to do that. I'm just authorizing you to write about what I, the work I do. And um, yeah, great, great, uh, great story of of a you know of a, of a great person. 
So that's my last one for today. Um, Frank, where can the people find us? Yeah, there's just so many places you can find us at BeerWithGeeks.com, at BeerWithGeeks on Twitter, BeerWithGeeks at gmail.com. And of course, if you want to rate and review us in places like iTunes, you know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn.com, Amazon, Google, all the places where you can find beers. I just dropped my beer. All the places where you can find podcasts, uh, you will find Beer with Geeks. Uh, so please rate and review us there. Follow us there. Tell your friends. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash thoughtbubbleaudio. And uh, we would love to hear from you. So thank you for listening every week. And uh, we'll see you next week. Well, that's great, Frank. Well, and then until next time. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>